0: What is going on? Thank you for being with us here. Well, I guess I shouldn't say us. It's actually just me. Justin has some daddy responsibilities, so those definitely are priorities above a podcast. Totally understandable. Producer Rob is, of course, doing his thing, uh, working his magic behind the curtains. So they told me I had to just uh, ride solo this evening. I've noticed I've gotten just a little bit better with um, my Ball and Barrel podcast, so I've had all the confidence to just step up and simply just keep the show rolling in their absence. Please bear with me. I have not had anything to drink, so the good news is I actually may stay on point and may not uh, get off uh, on silly rants. Well, I can't really promise that, (laughs) but wow. Wow. What a weekend and not just college football, but also the NFL. Tons of storylines happening. Not only that, um, just the sense of urgency within each and every drive. It seemed as though every time I looked up, uh, again, not just in the NFL, but also in college, it just seemed as though every play was just, just the play that was either going to define the game or even really just the play that's going to either cost the opposing team the game such a great time, such a great weekend for football. Obviously won't dive into the college part. I will definitely save that for ball and barrel this week, but, um, Oh man, just, uh, I, I, I did have a good bit of a trouble trying to figure out what direction I wanted to go with this. So what I did is I basically just picked up some games that I just wanted to rewatch that were not too, too long, but also had interesting storylines. A few that I did, Watch, but uh I'll go ahead and tell you right now: the primetime games, Sunday night football, and Monday night football, they are not on this. I did not. I watched very little of the Monday night football game last night. I watched, I believe, like a little bit into uh, halftime, and then after um, I had, uh, left the bar, I just. I didn't really care enough to watch the second half once I got back home and Sunday night, I would, I rather watch the, or I chose to watch the house of dragon instead of watching Sunday night football. It's easy to keep up with terrible games because you're going to see the highlights on social media, or you're going to hear people talk about it. It's, it's much easier to keep up with that. You don't have to really just sit and watch. Um, Rob and I were talking about it last night. He goes, you know, for someone who does a bunch of podcast episodes, uh, there are some games that you just choose not to watch. And again, this is just because I didn't watch Sunday night or last night. And I said, Rob, it's it's just different for me now. So my fandom that you know that you know and love that I know and love from you know Sunday Funday, where we would start the party at ten a.m. and keep it going till about. Midnight or 1 a.m. every Sunday, all football season. That's we're watching every minute of every game. We're analyzing everything with every move, but we're not really too intrigued with anything else. We're literally just focused in on a game. Like that fandom is long gone. It's, I mean, I'm not saying that it's completely gone. I mean, obviously, I still watch the product, but I'm more interested in the business aspect of the NFL. It's just, most people just happen to just literally just enjoy the product that it puts out. I'm more intrigued with, you know, really what happens behind the scenes and a little bit more uh, what happens with um, just team building and uh, also just the the ability to even keep that team whole. So, you know, um, it, you know, call it what you will. It is what it is. I, I even tell you all, uh, and even for those uh, new listeners, I was going to, Give you all a shout out, but um, I guess it got too a little deep into. For you new listeners out there, welcome to the podcast, and for those that have shared, thank you for sharing the love. A uh, little little fun fact about me: I, of course, I love football. Why would I not? It's just I look at it just from a totally different perspective, and if I, I've even said on previous podcast episodes to not look at the NFL like I do, because if you do, I assure you, your fandom will die, and it is you don't want that to happen to you like for me i just do this just because it's like it helps me be a better podcaster so i watch the i watch the product to help me translate into being better at this and just simply just having relatable conversations that pretty much the everyday man or woman can just simply just look at their television have an opinion on and it just gives me a platform to actually just talk about said opinion but enough with that let's get right into it everyone so, the very first game I want to talk about is the uh, the Baltimore Ravens against the New England Patriots. And we're already kind of starting to see pretty much everything we've already speculated this entire offseason. Matt Patricia is calling plays for the New England Patriots. At first, it looked good. Mac Jones is completing the ball, he's moving the chains efficiently. It looks good. It's he he's doing really well, and I believe he even uh, scored a rushing touchdown. I believe it was either the uh, the first initial drive, or it was either um, like within like the first edition of the game. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, actually, I think it was the second quarter. But we'll get into the the Baltimore Ravens here in a little bit. I want to stick with the Patriots. So unfortunately, Mac Jones gets hurt. It is what it is. It's a, it's a very violent sport. It's going to happen. We talk about how it's going to happen, and it's already been diagnosed that it's a high ankle sprain. Speaking from someone who's had a high ankle sprain before, it takes about at least a month, not at most a month. It takes at least a month just to even to get it to feel right. And that's not even just counting like the restricted movement that you've had within that month. So the Patriots are trying to rush him back within a month. But Mac Jones, it's already been reported that he wants to get at least a second opinion to where he possibly wants to sit, sit out six to eight weeks. That sense of urgency, and we'll definitely get into how important the urgency in the NFL is later, that sense of urgency is just now for the Patriots. They understand and they look at their division as if, like, all right, well, not only was it the Bills that we have to worry about, apparently we may have to worry about Tua and the Dolphins. Zach Wilson's going to come back, and the Jets have looked somewhat competent, just, you know, at least from the flashes that Joe Flacco can produce. The Patriots can't just, you know, sit on their hands and just really hope that Brian Hoyer can – keep their season upright now we already give a little bit of a backlash on backup quarterbacks within this podcast but it's ladies and gentlemen it's just a simple reality you're their backups for a reason and the worst and we say the worst thing a backup can do is play eventually that catches up with you Cooper rush is looking like the outlier he's technically 3 and0 as a starter dating back to last year but you know that that's <laughs> I don't even want to get into that and that, that, that and that's another team that uh <laughs> the the Dallas Cowboys they did they did not make this at all and they they don't need to but anyway, but sticking back with the Patriots, it's already kind of getting ugly already and if there's already that internal um, divide, you know that it's already going to just kind of spew out into the team. Patriots fans, we, we said it was going to be a long season, and it looks as though we didn't even make it into uh, towards October to where we're instantly just kind of just going like, can this be a four or five win team? We already speculated that it's possibly like a seven win team, but that's just giving credit to Bill Belichick. But could it get, could it get a, lot uglier, a lot uglier quicker? We'll definitely figure it out later. But Baltimore Ravens, simple fact. Pay Lamar Jackson. It is pretty obvious now because I didn't really watch this game while it was happening at first. But as I started kind of getting into the afternoon and kind of just started really, you know, checking in around the league from the games that I was watching. It just seems as though he's just score- – every time I just look at the box score, every time I'm just looking on, uh, like, switching over to the games, he's just scoring touchdowns, like, whether it be from the air or from the ground. I believe he even had – a, I believe he had another, like, t- four total touchdown game day. I mean, this man is literally going to be so expensive that it's – I mean, you had the chance. You had the chance to get him while he was cheap. Now – we have said that he does not have an agent, so that definitely complicates things. But, you know, it is what it is. His price tag is continuing to go up. And if they continue to win games, and if they eventually involve J.K. Dobbins and continue to make Mark Andrews the premier tight end that he is, it's only going to get more expensive. I don't see the Ravens uh necessarily taking a step back due to their offense. Their biggest liability is their defense, specifically their secondary. We talked already a little bit how they made Tua look like Joe Montana. Well, this past weekend, they even though uh, unfortunately Mac Jones threw three interceptions, but I think that's just due to the <laughs> the uh let's just say subpar play calling, they still gave up big yardage to Mac Jones and still make Mac Jones look pretty relevant and I'm not really – and it's terrible because, again, like these are Pro Bowl players, and, you know, Kyle Hamilton was really a a sought-out safety at the time. And I mean, you can't teach 6'4", and Kyle Hamilton has ridiculous range, and I just don't understand why they're having these issues with their secondary. Now, their defensive coordinator is coming over from the college game, so that terminology and a little bit of that transition – Apparently is making a little bit of an impact, uh, but an organization like Baltimore, I believe they'll get this together. The AFC North doesn't look as dominant as everyone really thought. I believe Cleveland is leading that division right now, believe it or not. But hey, we're we're still early in the season. But again, we'll talk about a little bit about the uh, the urgency that and the urgency that the NFL produces throughout not just one team, but throughout every single team in the league. You want to know who else had a little bit of urgency? The Titans. They had more urgency and apparently more desperation than the Raiders did. So I took personal interest in watching this game specifically because over the weekend, um, It was just this one little incident. I was at work. It was towards the end of my shift. I was already kind of, you know, everyone knows once you get through or once you're winding down towards your day, like you're just literally just so close to the end. You're just making sure that that little time is just so peaceful and just, you know, you're just hoping to just like I just got to get through. I just got to get through. Well, this Raider fan, as I was just simply uh, making a drink, he just comes up to me. He's like, so tell me, are the Titans going 0-3 tomorrow? I just looked right at him and I just said, man, you know what? I don't watch football. I don't really keep up with it. I just focus on better things. You know, I like reading and I also like a little bit of tennis, you know, a little bit with the here of the recent retirement has really affected me. So sports seem kind of irrelevant to me right now and just walked away. You know, just, I, I said whatever I could to not start a conversation with this person and it, so I definitely took interest in this game as much as I could, just so I could just rub it into the fans. Now, I didn't, but I definitely wanted to take great interest. So you have two zero and 0-2 teams, both teams that made the playoffs, both teams that uh, had, let's just say, noisy off-seasons, one from a good perspective and the other from a bad perspective. And now they're both um, pretty much in a position where they desperately need a win. And we talk about how desperation is a real thing in the NFL. And it definitely showed from the Titans and the Raiders game. Now the Raiders were on the road and it wasn't looking good for the Raiders to start off. I believe the Titans, uh, we'll get into the Titans here in a little bit, uh, obviously. But from a Raiders perspective, uh, you got to give it to them. They never gave up. And, you know, they were obviously right there at the end. Uh, They were down, I believe, or I believe the rate um, they only scored like maybe ten points, like uh, for the first half, and their offense just looked um, not helpless, but it definitely looked restrictive. Um, <laughs> it's 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 funny, but it's not funny. Uh, leave it to the Raiders to acquire Devontae Adams, but get worse inside the red zone. It's very. That 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 just seems like a very you know like Raiders or like Browns or Jags or, um you know I guess I guess you can throw Texans into that equi- uh, or into that group. It's just like how does that happen? Like you know how do you especially with his old college roommate? But you know hey it's not like you know Green Bay's lighting it up either. But still it's it, that's just a once I saw that I, I just I had to really just make sure that that was true. But yes yeah, so uh, as even though team acquires Devontae Adams uh, and has Darren Waller, unfortunately, um, no Hunter Renfro, um, or no no showing of Hunter Renfro as far as up on the production line. I don't know if he had um, if he had played or not. I really wasn't really paying attention to that. I believe he played. I'm trying to think. Let me even kind of scroll here didn't show up on the stand. Line. I'm guessing he didn't play again. I didn't really, wasn't paying attention that much to the Raiders. I was just really focusing on the Titans. But what I did see, obviously from the Raiders, is just, it's, uh, it's just Derek Carr at the second half, just trying to be Derek Carr and just padding in those stats as though, you know, he's one of the best fourth quarter comebacks and has, or qu- fourth quarter comeback quarterbacks that he normally is. As far as in the storylines, the same thing goes with Matt Stafford, Just differences. The Raiders won. um, Raiders were actually in the playoffs recently, and that was just with a special teams coach. Matt Stafford gets a legitimate head coach and goes to the Super Bowl and wins. But and you know, speaking of going to the playoffs, it's it's funny how Josh McDaniels continues to say you know, we got to learn how to win. And now it's even starting to kind of even show a little bit of that frustration, uh, not just from star players, but also a little bit of like a little bit of the coaching staff. So I read that, you know, the first uh, two weeks, it was already just a little bit tense just because of, like you know, just the lack of production and just a little bit of, uh, I guess, the lack of accountability. And now this happens and now they're 0-3. You know, they got to start feeling that pressure a little bit. Now thankfully, thankfully, the AFC West, the mighty AFC West that we all thought like possibly all four of these teams were going to get in the playoffs, thankfully, there's not a whole lot of clear cut favorite. There is as far as from a coaching perspective, and there is as far as a roster perspective, but as far as like win and loss, you know, hey, there's everything's right there. Um We'll get in the we'll get in the AFC West here in a little bit, uh, even though we're still sticking with the AFC West in a way. But if I'm a Raiders fan, I got to just be excited that again. It's or I got to have optimism that this is going to continue to work. I believe that the schedule gets much easier. They'll eventually figure everything out. It's not the roster, ladies and gentlemen. It just seems as though right now the biggest uh, weakness for the Raiders is just the head coach, and we wondered if Josh McDaniels had completely changed, you know, if we wondered if he had really taken the time to really have that self reflection and really understand like what he did wrong and really just, uh, own up to that. Some of us still just kind of hold him in, uh, I guess, low regard ever since he, uh, accepted or quote unquote, accepted the Colts position and then immediately backed out, you know, that was already a big red flag. And now that he comes to Vegas, you know, I, I mean, he, technically he was given a playoff team with a playoff-level quarterback, top-12 quarterback in the league, and right now they're 0-3, and hopefully a little bit of that desperation seeps into them and they at least pull out a victory and maybe even go on a little bit of a run this way. From a Titans perspective, I live here in Nashville. It's good for the city when the team wins. It is not good for a fan base when the team goes up 24 or I guess scores 24 points in the first half and then doesn't score a single point in the second half offense still looks restrictive. It was nice to see Derrick Henry, I guess kind of get going, but he didn't even break the hundred yard mark, you know, but he was bouncing off tackles and, you know, he pretty much, uh, definitely, you know, was a little bit nimble and really just kind of getting back to his old self. But I mean, we've said it, it's, we knew this offense was going to take a step back. You get rid of AJ Brown, which we've said countless times, that's going to take an immediate impact. And we're kind of starting to see that now, not just with the Titans, but, um, you know, we just, or we'll talk about the chiefs here in a little bit. Um, we've mentioned the Packers, uh, You know, just or we've obviously seen a little bit of the improvement with the Dolphins. You know, these acquisitions for these big time receivers and also these receivers leaving their previous teams, it's definitely starting to show a little bit of the impact, specifically now and how everything's specifically kind of playing out. But for the Titans, this is tough. I mean, not only that, I I love Bobby Trees or Robert Woods for those that don't know the nickname. But if Robert Woods and Derrick Henry, which I guess if this was two or three years ago, are your main playmakers, you can get by. But right now, with both of them coming off major injuries and still trying to get mentally right to know that their bodies can take a certain way, you don't be you don't need to be given Derrick Henry. Uh, I, th- I think it was I think he got at least twenty game or twenty carries and uh, Robert. Woods was their leading receiver. I believe he had eight, at least eight targets. You know that at that point you have to really spread it around. And what really upset me was that Traylon Burks got a carry, one carry just for running, rushing purposes, and he was not even involved in the passing game. I think he only maybe had like one or two targets. But this is your first round pick that you obviously had to get back in order to replace what you've already had in the proven commodity in A.J. Brown. And right now you're not even really getting him involved. I understand you wanting to win, and thankfully they're in a position to where their division isn't that great, although they're one of the three offenses in that division that just look very boring, very just stone age. It's funny how the Jacksonville Jaguars are – the most competent team or offensively in that, in that division. It's funny. We're already with the Jaguars. It's we're That's right. The next talking point. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, it is, um, when I rewatched this game, I wanted to make sure that this wasn't just a, just a complete shootout. This was a, legitimate game and that it eventually turned into a complete ass whooping. This game was 16 to seven at halftime. Just a one or two score game. It's very, it's, it's very, it's not one sided, but it's a good little stalemate. Everyone knows that Justin Herbert's hurt. If, if, My quarterback is hurt, and he has possibly more than one or two broken ribs. I'm not having him throw the ball 45 times. That's the first thing for the Chargers. We'll we'll give the Jags their flowers here in a little bit, so we're just going to stick a little bit with the Chargers and their blame. That's the first thing. The second thing is Brandon Staley is showing more and more how he is a fraud himself. You know, Justin loves to hate on them, uh, them Arizona fraudules. Well, I guess now we can add uh, Brandon uh, Staley or Brandon Stale. And we can just simply just add him to the fraud list as well. Because his message is getting stale. The defense is obviously giving up points. It's how do you score seven points? And like, how do you, like, you only scored three points in the second half of that game. Brandon Staley, what the hell are you doing? Like, you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback, and if you're going to have him throw 45 times, like, can you at least have a good bit of that actually score? Like, it just seems like just 45 chances for someone to just come in and just, you know, break more ribs or get him more hurt. And, you know, that's another reason why everyone was calling, I believe, in, like, the middle of the third quarter where it was, um, I believe it was 31 to 10. Like, why is Justin Herbert still in this game? Especially if he's hurt, like just like you're, just asking for not only one of the young franchise quarterbacks to get hurt. You know, this is one of the young faces of the league. Like the league is better when Justin Herbert is slinging the rock. Brandon Staley is just showing that he just he may be in a little bit over his head. You know, last year he was able to play us off. You know, he was even able to, uh, it's always funny when the media announce or uh, anoints people, uh, specifically the sports media. Um, Well, we just, you know, talked about Josh McDaniels here a little while ago. He was another person who was anointed right now. That's kind of, at least right now, that's looking like a disaster. Um, Brandon Staley was another one. And what's unique about Brandon Staley is that, you know, he would talk about a, a process and he would talk about analytics and he would talk about being aggressive, you know, things that it's definitely a little bit of play on the media because that's something that they're all for. So they're always just kind of like, oh, well, if they're doing if this person's doing this, then it's up to the team to just execute. Well, yes and no, It just depends on the situation. Brandon Staley is showing that he is getting exposed more and more each week. And it really goes to a point that Rob and Justin and I have basically just been talking about with either anyone on this podcast or just, you know, off air. It's, it's amazing what actual NFL coaching will do to not only a prospect, but will do to a team. And there are games like this that show exactly that. This was Doug Peterson going up against Brandon Staley. And it's very easy to see who came out on top. Trevor Lawrence looks like he has completely resurrected his career. And, again, who would have thought that actual NFL coaching could help an emerging NFL prospect? You know, he's, uh, it's great to see James Robinson um, back balling after his Achilles injury. I was thinking about that as well. It's um, it's all it's almost um, again just a such a testament and just a, a huge applause to our modern medicine as to how, you know, these world class athletes like how much the human body can really withstand, and you know the technology and the medicine that we have to actually be able to reconnect, uh, whether it be bones, tendons, uh, you know, anything, and we're able to just yeah, like the, those, those, uh, recovery timelines are just, just shrunk. And it just seems as though this is like, once you just kind of just get acclimated to whatever you were doing, hell, even if you are working a regular job and you happen to just, uh, you know, tear your ACL or separate your shoulder, just doing an, either an extracurricular activity or falling down the stairs or whatever the case may be. And, you know, you feel better much quicker. Now the pain may linger, for a little while, at least just like when it rains or such, but for the most part you feel better and you're able to get back to doing whatever you're doing. James Robinson had a major injury in a a torn Achilles. And it looks like right now it's not even phasing him. Great for medicine. Great for the league. Great for the Jaguars. It's they, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and just give them their flowers. I mean, they, they look good. They look really good. And right now the AFC South doesn't look good. We thought the Texans were going to take a step forward. They seem to be regressing. I understand the situation with uh, with Davis Mills and even a little bit about with their head coach, but it is what it is. They're not winning games. They're in games, but they're not winning games. The Colts look – well, we'll get into the Colts here in a little bit. The Colts are the Colts. Um you know, obviously, we just talked about Tennessee and how you know they're limited what they're doing offensively, and it just seems as though their defense just keeps taking blow after blow when it comes to injury. The Jaguars look competent on offense. Their defense has emerging stars on the defensive line, and uh, Rob has already told me specifically to uh, give a shout out to Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from uh, Utah, coming in being an emerging star from the linebacking core. He has been, and it's been phenomenal to watch. I feel like that was also a statement game, too. That was a, okay, our quarterback may not be Justin Herbert, but our quarterback is damn good. Our coach is better. Our defense right now is better, and our offense is clicking much better than your offense. Our offense can be a lot more innovative than your offense. And it showed, and got to give the Jaguar – or the Jaguars props. They're playing really well right now and it's transitioning into wins. Speaking of transitioning into wins and playing well. The Chiefs and the Colts. We talk about how desperation is a real thing. And we've already said that it's a real thing in college. We'll think about how much that desperation and think think about that type of desperation and just multiply it by a thousand and you'll have reached the intensity of the desperation of the NFL. The Colts, they were going to just do everything they possibly could to come away with this win, and from what everyone was saying, at least just from a betting standpoint, everyone was loving the Colts because the Chiefs were given just such a fair, I guess, uh, favoritism, or uh, I guess they were the clear favorite. And you know, the Colts you know coming in, knowing that they haven't won a game yet. they' are, unfortunately, they're the, one of the first team one of the teams that come in with a tie. <laughs> and you know they're they're also at home. So you gotta you get this is the time, this, this is the time. And the Colts took advantage of it. Matt Ryan still doesn't look good. He got sacked five times. Jonathan Taylor is doing what he can. He's getting enough opportunities, but, you know, people are just stacking the box as they should. Is everyone is going to, anyone who plays the Colts is going to make Matt Ryan beat you. And I mean, I mean, the score was 20 to 17. It's not like Matt Ryan just, you know, threw for like five touchdowns or anything. Those days of Matt Ryan are gone. And it's, I think that's also a, internal conversation with um frank wright and chris ballard is if um like man like maybe we should have hung on to carson because at least at least with carson we were at least put into position to make the playoffs right now we just don't even have any type of look on offense and the look that we do have or at least we think hope we shouldn't have is not good and it's not going to win us some games can this season for the Colts go sideways before Halloween? And can Frank Reich even see the end of this season? Think about it. I mean, Jim Irsay is not a patient owner, and he's at times not a rational person. I mean, I could, I could see them if they have like a embarrassing like prime time loss or. If they just, if Matt Ryan just happens to have a game where he throws like three or four picks, and maybe one of them goes for a pick six, I can just see Jim Irsay just just cutting ties with at least Frank Wright. Just be like, bro, we've given you quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Like you stuck your neck out for Carson, that didn't work, and. I don't know like how much influence you had or how much say you have with Matt Ryan, but this is clearly not working. Like we got to do something different. Like, thank you. But you know, we, we got to do something different. And I feel like Chris Ballard will be fine because Chris Ballard has brought in pretty good players, not to mention Jonathan Taylor, but also uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Who's uh, who came back and just looking like his old self, obviously the offensive line has been built up. Same with uh, the defense, you know, Chris Ballard is, Put players into position to help this team compete. It's just the, it's just the same storyline with the Colts. They just cannot get the quarterback right. And I'll tell you, who else who can't get the quarterback right is uh, Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes. Now, I think the biggest uh, takeaway from this game is, you know, not the Chiefs losing, but just what seems as though the internal rift between Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy. And you even saw it drip into the play calling a little bit, you know, instead of really uh, going for a bomb, bombs away, which they would normally do with Tyreek Hill, you know, how we talked about how how these teams are starting to miss their receivers. It's starting to creep into the play calling and starting to get a little bit of a conservative feel. You know, you saw Patrick Mahomes and Eric B getting, getting into it. You know, if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm thinking like, man, just like, let me throw. Like, I mean, we're playing a team that can't really score quick and or can't really at least just put the ball through the air like they need to, like, or like at least what we can, like, let's take a shot. Let's, let's risk it. Let's go for it. And Eric B. And he's like, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. And, you know, obviously Andy had to come over and just start talking to Pat. It's just, you know, maybe that's um, just a little bit of an indicator as to why people at least interview Eric B. And at least give him an opportunity to, Wow in interviews, and also just uh work well with stars, but it's starting to i guess starting to creep out that it's like all right well, this is probably why he hasn't been given that opportunity like you know he's only been given the opportunity to interview because of his credentials with what the Kansas City chief's offense is and the stars that he has i guess managed so to say, but now that you're starting to see that one of those stars is gone and Travis Kelsey didn't have that great of a game, obviously neither did uh. Mahomes, but, you know, now we're starting to kind of just see a little bit of that, um, just a little bit of how much urgency, again, is in the NFL and how every game matters and how not just every possession, but just, you know, just every player in every situation. So I'm glad we're into this and how much urgency really matters. Before I get into the Bills and Dolphins, little – Breakdown in my little, my little thought nuggets. I want to uh, talk about that viral video of Ken Dorsey just losing his shit, and I mean just completely losing it whenever the Bills lost that game. I saw that and I thought that's why the NFL is so much better than basketball baseball hockey soccer to some people maybe even the olympics like just just the urgency of everything and like how much everything goes into it because keep in mind ladies and gentlemen it's only 17 games only 17 it's not 82 it's not 160 plus you, know, you don't get to play in different other leagues once you're done with playing with another league. You know, It's 17 games, and you have to hope to play more if your team wins enough. Do I still think the Bills are a great team? Absolutely. There was a ton of injuries, specifically on the back end. Uh, hopefully, Hopefully, they're back for the season, because if not, Buffalo could be in some real trouble. Uh, not to mention that it was in Florida. It's hot as hell. It's you know, you could definitely tell that Buffalo was affected by the heat. You have Josh Allen who's just kind of just doing everything as he normally does, but in that heat, it'd be nice for someone else to kind of share the workload and not have him just completely carry the team. You saw Stephon Diggs cramping during the uh, or towards the end, just happen to just lay on lay on the ground and just have someone just literally just keep rubbing his legs and Tua and the Dolphins took advantage. But, you know, getting back to Ken Dorsey, that's why the NFL is just pulling away from every other sports league because it's that level of urgency. It's that level of uh, desperation or, you know, working working long hours, like a complete grind and just – putting everything into and trying to find any little advantage that you can just to gain the upper hand. Because again, we all know that the NFL is a schematics and thinking man's league. And when you see someone act like that, and especially the way that that game ended, you'd be pissed too. It's just like any other job who hasn't had that level of a freak out, whether it be in, not getting a promotion that you wanted at work, whether your kid acts up and uh, acts up in public, whether you lose in fantasy, whether you lose in a bet, whether you're in a fight with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever. Like we've all had that level of freak out. The only difference is we don't have cameras on us when that freak out happens. So when that just shows that again, like this is, this is anyone's like anyone can relate to that. That's just someone doing their job, and at that point, their job happens to be a win-and-loss business. And at that point, you put everything in, and you come away with the loss, you're going to be upset, as would anyone else. Now, getting into the actual Bills and Dolphins game. This This was already on upset alert. Again, we had talked about the injuries, but... It's upsetting how the Buffalo Bills just refuse to run the ball. Now, Devin Singletary did have a pretty decent game yesterday, but that was receiving. A lot of that came from the passing game. Josh Allen was the one who was running the ball. And if Josh Allen continues to be your primary rusher, then that's a problem. Now Josh Allen had 8 carries and Devin Singletary had 9, but Josh Allen had more yardage. I guess they are still or I guess I, I guess it's Sean McDermott's call or Ken Dorsey, I don't know. Uh, they James Cook must have did something in either in practice or they're still they're still remembering how he fumbled when he was given the opportunity. I mean it happens. But right now, that right now the Bills just do not have a run game. We weren't able to really see that at first because, again, they were just completely dominating everybody, and Josh Allen is just looking in midseason form. But there are games like this that just show that having a running game that's not your quarterback definitely helps. I heard a little uh, tasty nugget today that, dating back to last year, the Bills are 0-6. In close games. The only team that's in comparison to something like that are the Texans. So if you can keep the Bills score close, if you cannot have them just completely run wild and get up 21 points before you even blink, you have a chance to beat them. I still am not on the uh, the Tua train. Rob and Justin are on the Tua train. I'm not. I mean, he, I mean, I mean, I'm i surprised he even came back into the game, personally. You know, not only am I surprised, I'm pretty sure the NFLPA is surprised as well. So surprised they're even uh, having conversations about it. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, hey, but you got to give it to Miami. They're 3-0. and They're feeling good. And... Props to Mike McDaniel, their head coach. His first three wins of his NFL career are against Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, and Sean McDermott. Got to give it to him. That is very, very impressive. You know who else is impressive? Them birds. Fly Eagles. Fly on the way to victory. I don't know the rest of the song because I'm not a diehard like Rob, Justin, and John. I saw the videos, watched the game, saw the saw Jalen's uh, post-game speech, saw it all. Eagles, ladies and gentlemen, are rolling. We knew it was going to happen. We talked about it. It just means more is the saying in the SEC. You get SEC players on your team. This is what happens. Man, Jalen looks good. It's, I mean, what, what more can you say? Oh, I mean, uh, I guess the only thing you could say is that uh, this was the Devontae Smith uh, show uh, with the Batman cape, feeling good, feeling feisty. The slim Batman, as Darius Slay, or Big Slay calls him. Big Play Slay. Man, the Eagles are feeling it. They're feeling uh, A.J. Brown as well. It's... Titans wish they were feeling that success with A.J. Brown, but it just shows that the Eagles have not just one, but two legitimate number one receivers, which we anticipated on them having. They – I don't know. Uh, I guess the only thing – I didn't really have anything to say about the offense with this game. This was – I was hoping – or throw this in Justin's face a little bit was – a defensive performance. This was a John Gannon. This was a this was a him game. A him him game for for Jonathan Gannon. Uh, it was a let's talk about Carson Wentz the entire week and how much we just hated him <laughs> or thought we ha- or th- think we hate him, and let's just kick his ass. Ladies and gentlemen, nine sacks. Nine sacks the Eagles' defense generated with Carson Wentz. 17 quarterback hits. I'm telling you, they... (laughs) It's It's not right to talk about bounty gain. It's not right to set prices on people's heads, but when you put up numbers like that and it shows makes you wonder if anyone if anyone had a little spare change to throw at uh, another player if they happened to get a hit on Carson it's that was a vengeance we're just going to just kick this dude's ass game and it it was i mean again nine sacks that that says something that also says that your offensive line sucks <laughs> Uh, Scary Terry was doing his thing, but there, you know, that's it's only really so much that he can do. Oh man, it was that that was such a good game for the Philadelphia Eagles. They continue to just show that they may not only be the best team in the NFC, they could possibly be one of the top teams in the NFL. I know Justin would definitely. Be doing his cartwheels, and uh, Rob would be doing his uh his pull ups if they were on here. Just in in celebration, I'm just gonna just sit here as a part time Eagles fan and just continue to just uh, smirk and just have my own little thoughts and just uh, okay. Every single one of y'all questioned me when you thought that Jalen wasn't gonna be it, huh? Okay, I you know what? All right, yeah, just sure, okay, yeah. So I hear you're a Jalen Hurts believer. Yeah, yeah. I should just have that list listed in my phone. As when Justin calls or texts, uh, just uh, just have it have him listed as non Jalen Hurts believer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just Justin has definitely come around. As is other Eagles fans. We all know how terrible and how quick the Eagles media and their fan base can instantly turn on you. At any given moment. But right now, they have no reason. If there is just one little thing that's just one that, that I watched that I just didn't like, it's just one little thing. Philadelphia scored 24 points in the first half, got shut out during the second. Offense was efficient, but does, didn't really do much to actually just put the dagger in. You know, this was a kind of game where Especially if you're playing Carson Wentz, you know, at least flirt with 40 points. Like, think about really putting it on the Washington Commanders defense and on uh, Ron Rivera as well. All right. Last thing I wanted this to be last for a specific reason because it could be the last time. We see these two te- these two quarterbacks, play each other. With the way that their teams are going, if they were to make the playoffs, it could be uh, one could be a division winner, one could be a wild card. We'll see, but I'm treating this as this was the possible last time that Tom Brady plays Aaron Rodgers. And it was awful. Such a snooze fest, so terrible. Both teams, both sides. <laughs> they good lord, like I don't know. Like neither team wanted to win this game. And I think that's more of an indictment on Aaron And the Packers, because Tom Brady didn't have, obviously, Mike Evans, didn't have Chris Godwin, didn't have Julio Jones. Russell Gage had what seemed like a million targets. And they still come within a possible two-point conversion and a mishap of going into overtime. Aaron, what are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing, Aaron? You got paid all the money. You superstar. What are you what are you doing? Now they did come away with the win. I guess that's all that matters. But seems like Aaron is back to his old self. You know, just the woe was me. Or I guess he should not say his old self. He's always been like this, but I guess he's still in mid season form right now. You know, woe was me. We fumbled the ball early. Now we're just gonna just pass a good bit. I don't believe in my receivers. Um, I, I mean, well, I, I don't believe in my receivers other than Romeo Dowd. It was it was good to see him finally get involved. That's good for it's good for my fantasy team. But we won't need to talk about that. But. I guess, I guess Aaron is just really just at that point to where he, he, he just has to change his ways. Like he can't just shut off anybody anymore. He doesn't have Devonte to just throw to, and it from this Sunday it looks as though it's like, well, if the run game starts failing him, then he'll just start taking matters into his own hands and just start chucking the ball around. We knew that this was going to be a different offense. And now the spotlight, I believe, is on Matt LaFleur because we're already seeing Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers already kind of like getting into it as well. You know, we see Aaron with the eye rolling and the head shaking and putting his arms up, just kind of like, what are we doing? And even just coming into the sideline, just uh, looking as though he's uh, confused and even just kind of just – hearing what Matt LaFleur has to say, but instantly shrugging it off. And again, ladies and gentlemen, this game came within a two-point conversion from going into overtime. Tom Brady had to just make one final drive, which we've seen him do countless times to put this team in position to win. And again, if it wasn't for an unfortunate mishap, who knows? Maybe they could have got it. It went into overtime. The game would have been a lot more entertaining. No one wanted to win this game. The Packers should have. The Packers should have just blew out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the Packers at least had at this point better weapons, and still only put up fourteen points. If I am a Green Bay fan, I am kind of worried because if I mean if Devo- I, I, and we knew that Devontae was going to be this or not this big of a void, but we knew who's going to be a void, but it looks as though. What's left is just nothing because Aaron is not willing to, he's not willing to just let go of, I guess, faults during the game. And that's normally been his legacy anyway. What's also been his legacy is he doesn't throw picks. And when he does, that's when he normally is just kind of like, all right, I'm out of it. Once he threw that pick, it's like, okay, I'm out of it. Whatever. I can't I can't be messing with my QBR rating. This guy may have all the rings. This game this guy may have all the records. But I've got the efficiency. I've got the QBR stuff. That's me. Good old AA Ron. Have to think about me. I appreciate everyone listening in. Hopefully next week uh Justin will be back. If not. We'll be uh rockin' and rollin', you know. Riding solo, I'm riding solo, riding solo, solo. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, tell your enemy tell your enemies, interact on the socials. When you get time, please leave a review. Let us know you have left a review. That way we can give you a special shout out on the show live please leave a review subscribe to the podcast have a good week Udette.